Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Yerald, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And I'm here today with the fabulous lady, Pamela Brinker, is here. And welcome, Pamela, to High Road to Humanity. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here talking with you and your listeners. I'm happy you're here. She's written this book. This was a tough one to write. I asked her before the show, Conscious Bravery, Caring for Someone with Addiction. So I'm going to just say, you guys, if you know somebody who has an issue, which a lot of people do with addiction, this is a show you need to share because we're going to really get into it. And she's going to talk about her sons and what happened in her own life. Now, let me give you a little background here on Pamela. She is, um, she holds a master's degree in social work from the University of Denver. And she's also a well-respected and an experienced psychotherapist and a licensed clinical social worker for 32 years. Now, Pamela has treated thousands of clients and developed over 20 tools and practices to teach everyday bravery. I love this. So using integrity therapy techniques, she has helped those struggling with anxiety, mild depression, grief, and relationship issues. She has extensive training in somatic work, trauma healing, young psychology, and EMDR certification. She's integrated body-orientated protocols like yoga, meditation, art forms, and nature into her practice, which is right up our alley. So I'm just really thrilled you're here. You know, I want you to tell, if you don't mind, um, you dedicate this book to your two sons. Tell their, tell your story, tell the audience what happened briefly. I mean, as you can. Mm -hmm. About 12 years ago, my second husband was diagnosed with um, a grade four glioblastoma, which is an incurable brain cancer. And a year and three months after that, he passed away. And in that time when we knew he was dying, my sons and I were trying to be really supportive of one another and dealing with the, the grief that already begins to hit you. But then once my husband passed, they struggled much more than I expected. And they turned not just to each other for support and to me for support, but they, they saw drugs and alcohol as the answer to their pain. You know, they were just struggling so much inside. And then within about three, four years, they became addicted to stimulants and methamphetamines. And so dealing with my own pain was hard enough, but then walking alongside them, trying to decide what to do, I really was up in arms. (laughs) Right. How old were they? Can I ask? Sure. The youngest was 13 and my older son was um, 15, 15 and a half, 16. Wow. So, okay. All kids drink when they are in school. I did. Sure. We all smoke a little pot. We all drink, you know, we always try. We had Boone's Farm when I was growing up. I didn't like like to drink. That was good, I guess. But, you know, I have kids and I worried about that stuff too, you know, because you know they're going to party a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. 
But you say that in the book, addiction to alcohol or substance begins as a person's solution to their troubles. Mm-hmm. They, like you're talking about, they perceive that the pain is unmanageable and they look for the authentic connection to others because they don't have it. And do you feel like they were just lost or they just didn't know what to do or didn't know how to handle the pain? Absolutely, Nancy. They were lost. They didn't know how to handle the pain. And unfortunately, they had some of the precursors to severe substance use that make it harder for some people to turn from it and to start working out more and using exercise as one of their solutions. They had genetic predisposition to both uh, substance use. Their their grandfather had died uh, from alcoholism and they also had predisposition toward depression, anxiety. They both had really severe ADHD. So they both had impulsivity issues, which which are, are, can be huge, especially for your listeners. I want to say this from the bottom of my heart. ADHD can be one of the most important diagnoses to, to really take a look at, like encourage our, our, young, our young children and teenagers to get involved in music and sports and stuff, because my sons were, but still that wasn't enough. And so anyway, they, um, they really just had challenges that surpassed their capacity. And yeah, I think it, sometimes it's just like, we don't know why some people become severe substance abusers or al- alcoholics or addicts and why other people have the grace not to, you know, right. it's just kind of a crapshoot. Right. Well, no, and I get you like my, um, so my first husband died of alcoholism. And so I worried that my oldest daughter would drink, be a drinker, but she's not at all. So, you know, because I figured, okay, and her grandfather drank. So I figured it's hereditary, like you're talking about, you know, and and it runs in the family kind of thing. But that's not always the case. It's not. And there's so much new neuroscience out about it, that really it, it is a choice problem, a desire issue, a pleasure issue. And unfortunately, the brain kind of hijacks itself. I know. So the very part of our brain that we need to help us make better decisions to say, all right, I had two drinks, I'll stop there. That part becomes overridden with the craving, the compulsion to use as the solution. Right. So did you know they had ADHD? Did you know that they had attention deficit disorder? Did you know that? We only discovered solidly about a year prior to my husband passing. So we, I kind of thought so, but it really hadn't been too much of an issue. But once we found out, we, you know, talked to teachers, they put in um, accommodations, that kind of thing. And we worked together better, but, but it is really hard when, when you have sons, especially, I don't know about you had a daughter or have a daughter, but uh, for those listeners who have sons, sometimes they just have way more energy and you think, okay, we just got to get them moving. But oftentimes it's part of the neurological piece, the brain issue, their, their, um, their executive functioning isn't right. Same. Right. I actually have two daughters, so I had to deal with it like you did twice and they're four years apart. So I get you completely. I, I, and you were, you know, you're like, uh, I can remember them getting in the car and driving away for the first time together without me. Do you remember that day? Kids did that. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I want to talk, get into your book because she talks about in the book and I want everyone to know this. So if you have someone, this book is 
amazing because she tells her story. You're real. You don't like sugarcoat it. And that's nice. Uh, one of your sons had gone to a camp and I had thought at one point I'd send one of my daughters to a camp. And I mentioned that to you before the show, but I always worried that it wouldn't be safe or I was concerned about it with a girl, but with boys, I guess, you know, you probably thought, okay, it's fine. But then tell the story. You get there. He did really well. And then the after home aftercare, tell the audience what happened with that. He went to a wilderness therapy program for three months and a lot of the graduates, the other young men there went on from that to an aftercare program or a residential school. But my, my former husband, their dad and I were former triathletes. We thought we could do anything. And so in our, in our sort of hubris, we thought, well, we can do this. We've changed a lot. We've done our own therapy. He can come home and he wanted to come home. So we thought, well, we'll try that for us in-home aftercare program. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. cultivate it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. But we just didn't have the skills yet. You know, as much as we had done, Nancy, we'd done family therapy and all this work, read stuff and tried new practices, but we still just didn't have the skills that our son needed. And so he went back to school that August and within a week he had taken a big bottle of Jack Daniels into the school, gotten himself in another young woman so drunk that she had to be taken to the hospital. And the dean called me and told me he was expelled. And, you know, that time of year, there were no schools that were going to take him. It was the beginning of September. And plus, we talked about in our family therapy that if, if our home aftercare program didn't work, he would go back to wilderness and then he'd go on to a therapeutic boarding school after that because we wanted him to live you know right he had run away from home he had safety issues I, it broke my heart and I couldn't enable him harming anyone else under my watch and so we made a family choice for him to go back to wilderness uh, you know you call it camp it's like a camp but it's a therapeutic program <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt your thought there but he ended up going back but you had to do like an intervention Oh, right. Yes. So he agreed to go back and he had packed all his stuff and all four of us parents were working together. We were all at my home together, his dad, his stepmom. I was there, my new partner. And um, our son had agreed to go and packed all his things. And we were just kind of sitting around talking. And all of a sudden he just bolted up the stairs, back through the screen door, out of the house and was gone. And we all went around looking all around our house, looking for him, couldn't find him. And then it hit us, he ran away. So about 8 p.m. that night, he called me just out of kindness to say, I'm okay, mom, don't worry. But our family pulled together and we figured out where he probably was and we went there. And sure enough, and this is heartbreaking, he had paid for his room with the $2 coins I'd given him and year by year since he was a child. And, and that was enough right there just to not only know he was there, but how desperate he was. Yeah. Those, those coins were precious to him as well. Anyway, so my former husband and I hung around. We've listened for his voice in all the rooms. I heard the room he was in. I called the police because he was a runaway. The SWAT guys came. So the SWAT team came. So oh. I'm watching through the the motel camera these four guys try not to just fall completely apart these four men outside the room and they can't they don't they're not, they can't legally go inside and so long story short 
they kept trying every technique possible to get him to come out. He never did. Finally at 3 a.m., we all left. I decided to go back the next morning. Sure enough, the next morning, my partner and I, my, my boyfriend and I walked around outside and there was my son just walking around outside this motel. And he's like, hi. So he, he said, okay, I'll come home, but you got to promise me I don't have to go back to that. You call it a camp, you know, that therapeutic program. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. It it is like camp in some ways. It's hard as heck, you know, the work they have to do because they're out building shelters and making their own fires, making their own food. And they're just 24 seven out in the wilderness away from nowhere. Yeah. um, Middle of nowhere. But anyway, he, he made me promise that I wouldn't send him back. And because I loved him so much, I did the first hardest thing I've ever done, which was say, okay. And I lied straight to his face that he wouldn't have to go back. But then in the interim, all, all of us parents pooled together and we hired a, you know, they have these guys that'll come and they're therapeutic uh, response people who will take someone to a program when they need it for their own safety. And that's what we did. And it was so, so hard, Nancy, because I mean, it was just like a horrific situation. You know, they came in through our front door. This was at night. They went down the stairs and had to surprise him, had to restrain him, had to get him in the back of their suburban black suburban, you know, just like you would envision it. So I go out there and I say goodbye to him. And he says, mom, I can't believe you're sending me away. You've betrayed me. You know, and that was just such a gut-wrenching thing to say that I just said, hey, we're sending you to something that will help. But as soon as he drove away, I just fell apart. So after that, I just needed to pull together my own resources and practice everything I'd ever taught my clients. I'm going to stop you because we're doing the today and you guys her book is conscious bravery we're going to go to a quick break it's caring for someone with addiction it is by pamela brinker this is nancy you're out this is high road to humanity and we will be right back hang on we have more stories to tell on high road to humanity check out nancy's website nancyyearout.com to book a session with nancy to learn how to tap into your own abilities Hi, this is Nancy Yerald, and I have some very exciting news to share with you. High Road to Humanity can now be found on Apple TV and Roku. I've signed on with Healing Within TV, and this is where you'll find my channel, High Road to Humanity. This platform offers live interaction, so you'll be able to ask questions and call in when we go live. I just want to thank everyone for supporting the show all these years, and I will see you on the high road. God bless. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to The High Road. Hi, this is Nancy. You're out. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm here today with Pamela Brinker. Her book is Conscious Bravery. Um, You guys, this took a lot of bravery to write. Because, and I'm just going to commend you, Pamela, on this, because it wasn't easy to tell your story, I'm sure. 
it wasn't easy, but I wanted to help other people with a resource that wasn't available for me at the time. I wrote this book because there wasn't a protocol about bravery and there wasn't just one book to turn to with answers about what to do with my husband having died and my two sons kicking into addiction. Right. You, I want to ask, there's so many questions I have for you because you talk about befriending our feelings and allowing the emotions to be our friend. You talk about tough love, which we were just talking about where you had to be tough. That's what they call tough love, where you love them enough that you'll let the intervention happen. And that's so difficult to do. And so I want to rewind a little bit. As far as, you know, there's so many drugs in our system. You know, they're bringing them in from Mexico. It's like a whole thing, you know. Do you, was it so just so easy for them to get whatever they wanted? Did they have access to cash? I mean, was it just not even a big deal? Talk to me a little bit about that. It was not a big deal. And part of the challenge for young people these days, and which was true for my sons too, they were using things like Adderall. Right. And stimulants that they could get prescriptions for, and then they would double their doses or they would trade friends and friends medications and that sort of thing. But yeah, they had enough cash. They, they did work around the house and we would give them, you know, payment for that kind of an allowance. And because we wanted them to learn to make their own choices about money, we believed in that, but it, it kind of, you know, some people, for some people it backfires and then they had cash available. Right. Now you were talking on the break and I want to, I want to talk about this because a lot of people don't have the money to send their child anywhere. They, you know, so talk a little bit about that, if you will. I had to pull money from my savings to afford therapeutic um, school and also the wilderness program. But at the time, because my youngest was so young, there was not a place that was long enough, long-term enough for him, you know, to, to get away from our family system and some of the dysfunction in it and, and, and have other people giving him guidance. So I would say for anyone, if you can find a program that is a camp, that's a great thing or a relative, if they can kind of get out of their situation, that can be helpful. Cause I lived kind of in what, is called the downtown part of my city, which is where drugs are more easily accessible and people can just go get whatever weed right around the corner, basically. Yeah, but so it's an issue. It's that it's more, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a real I'm a real advocate for pot. I think it helps people. But yes. the alcohol and these other like the prescription drugs, you know, um, are really the in my opinion, the worst, because they get addicted to the prescription drugs so easily. Absolutely. And just to clarify, I don't put myself in any category, but I'm all about harm reduction when it's appropriate for the person or abstinence when it's appropriate for the person or working toward the ability to use weed as a resource to help if someone is struggling with anxiety and or depression and they also have some therapeutic skills. Great. You know, consciously breathing and being able to handle their discomfort, then substances can be truly helpful. And so I'm not one of those people that believes that everything but he needs to be a hundred percent clean. Right. But anyway, what was your question again? I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> no, I just wanted to bring that up. But I also, you know, you talk in your book about feeling your emotions yes. and about getting rid of the old programming. And this is stuff I talk about on the show all the time, but I want you to talk about befriending your feelings because 
we don't want to feel. We have not been taught as a society to feel those emotions. We've been taught to bury them, to put on this face that's not real. And you talk about the authentic self. So I wanted you to address that a little bit. And I love that you do that on your show and get the word out because you're right. We find that the five emotions that we were taught when we were kids that are kind of the most easily identifiable ones, you know, angry, sad, mad, disgust, those kinds of things, those are okay. But what about shame? What about hatred? Those are feelings we experience. And so it's so important to allow them and kind of give them, give them space, hold space for them. And then they can move through us more quickly. That's what I learned firsthand under devastation through all these trials that I had to practice exactly what I was teaching my clients for years, you know, to hold that guilt. And I did tough love for a little while, but then I found that other approaches worked better for my sons. Yes. You know, things like what I would call unconditional love with boundaries. So it was more of a compassionate approach instead of like a, a strong arming of it, you know, which I was really leaning toward because I had been an athlete and I knew how to just do stuff. Right. It was so hard for me, Nancy, to learn how to hold space with compassion for myself in my pain and say, wow, now this happened. Wow. I'm just going to give myself a hug and with kindness be with this for a moment or two or 10 or two hours and then see if it moves and then look at what comes to me about what, what I should do. Yeah, you're exactly right. Now, do you meditate? Because I have to say, you know, I went through a divorce a couple of years ago and the, mm. and even before that, I mean, even when I started the show back in gosh, 2018, even before that, I have to say, I, I've always been type A, you can probably tell. <laughs> but <laughs> It's a great quality though for you. Meditating, I mean, it was always so hard for me. But now I take the time in the morning and I bring in the light and I quiet my mind. And that's how you have to be in order to handle some of these things. Did you do that? I mean, what did you do? Tell the audience what you did. Yes, absolutely. And you have my whole heart for the divorce because those can be so devastating, even if we're the one that chooses them. Mm -hmm. So at any rate, yes, I've meditated since I was 20. But here's the thing. Oh. I don't feel that we have to meditate by sitting still and necessarily doing alms. I do that sometimes. And I love, um, I love that, you know, it's the sound of all sounds, but I meditate when I'm moving sometimes and I meditate out in nature. I do this practice that I came up with. I think I came up with it called earth and sky where I'm connecting to God and the universe, the Tao reaching up into source and reaching my other hand and arm yeah, completely down to the center of the earth and then hands to your heart center. And if you want to try this with me, this is great. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. You want to do it? Maybe your <laughs> listeners can do this too. Okay. So it's best if we stand barefoot, if you can, if not, just get barefoot in your chair, Okay. You know? but I'm going to stand because I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Something different. And okay. So you can start with hands at heart center and then maybe move both hands down. Okay. Hold on. I got to fix it. We can see that better. Okay, yeah. great. And then one arm reaches up to source, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, nature, the Tao. And you're seeing yourself from the fifth dimension and you're connecting to the fifth dimension. I love it. It's so wonderful and spacious, okay. right? Right. And from that place, you can see yourself. I'm sorry, what was that? Feel the energy, by the way. Oh, yes. Thank you. 
we're tapping into the energy space around us from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then we're reaching that other arm down to the center of the earth. We live on this beautiful blue planet that has multiple layers and, and an amazing core full of power. And this whole earth supports us. Right. So we're feeling that third dimension. We're right here, right now, supported by the earth. But we're also in the fifth dimension simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So anything about that you want to say? I would love to hear your feedback, Nancy. Okay. So I'm going to sit down. I am bringing the light above like you do. And then I bring up the light from the earth. But what I say is when I do that, but I'm an energetic, I heal my hands and stuff. So when I do that, which every <laughs> do it, I feel the energy immediately. Don't you in the palm of your hand? Yes. Love that you do. And yeah. And then when you switch, sometimes the energy shifts a little bit. And that's why I switch because we want to bring oh. balance. Oh, balance to our energetic space, to that yeah. presence that we've attained. Yeah. So I love, I love that you do this too. That's awesome. <laughs> Every single day, because what I've learned, it's so interesting. Uh, you talk about all this in your book, but, and I was, that was one of my questions for you is, do you connect? Cause I, I, it, if you put it in here, I missed it because I knew you had to connect because that's the only way I've ever learned. And it's the only way we become balanced because we're bringing in the love energy from God and or source, whatever you want to say. And we're bringing up the energy from mother earth, which we forgot about. And that's why you take your shoes off. Hello, because <laughs> yes, your feet and it's healing and we've uh, forgotten that right we have forgotten that you said that so beautifully nancy and yeah the earth is our is our home but the universe is our home too and so sometimes i would get so blue that i would say oh my gosh I can't stand this life. And then I would, you know, some grace would hit me and I'd say, wait a minute, what if I chose this life? What if I chose this exact life with my sons with mental health challenges and addiction issues? What if I chose this? So, so, cause I really wanted to know God in this life. And I don't say that in the book, but when my husband was dining, I just basically said, God, I want to know you in this life, no matter what it takes. And you know, Nancy, I think a lot of people think that then a situation comes to you to help you know God, but I really feel like it's exactly what you were saying. I started connecting with God differently and connecting with my inner essence differently so much so that I feel like I can handle anything now. Right. It's still hard. Yes. And, and I started to journal. I tell this on all my shows, so I'm sure my audience is tired of hearing it. But every morning I get up, I have my coffee. The very first thing I do is open my book and I say, dear God, and I tell him everything that's going on in my life and what I need guidance for. And I ask for help and I do and I get it out onto paper. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because it's all in my head. And so yes. we have to get it out. All right. That's fantastic. What a beautiful story. We have to go to commercial break. I want you to tell another story when we come back. And I want you to talk okay. when you had to go to Denver. And these are hard stories. I'm going to ask her to okay. tell. Okay. It's important. The book is Conscious Bravery, Caring for Someone with Addiction. This is Nancy. You're out. This is High Road to Humanity. And we will be right back. Hang on, we have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30-minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Hold your head high, the world 
help me, Toginet. You're my only hope. I want to start a podcast, but I simply don't have time. How do I take care of the details? Editing? Contacting guests? Where do I put it so that people can listen in? Fear not. The podcasting wizards here at Toginet can take care of all of the details because we provide full-service podcasting for all of our hosts so that you can focus on your message. We even build you a webpage that you can edit. And we send your podcast out to Spotify and iTunes so that your message is easy to find. Wow, you can do all of that? You've magically cured my anxiety. Where do I sign up? You can find all of our packages on our website, toginet.com. That's T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com. If you would like to talk to one of us, call us at 903-787-5880 or email us at staff at toginetradio.com. We will be right back on High Road to Humanity. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Earl. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm here today with Pamela Brinker, and this is her book. Pamela, how do people find you? They find me on my website. Okay. And right now, it's www.bebrave.us. Starting end of August, it'll just be my name, PamelaBrinker.com. I like that. I like that. Well, before we get into what's going on now, I want you to talk a little bit about some other things that you've had to go through. And it's not that I want to put you through a a hard time. It's just that I want people to realize what you went through. There was a point where you went to Denver to find your son. You knew he was in jail. He got out of jail. He had been arrested for trespassing, something like that. And he was okay, but you went to find him and you're driving and you're by yourself. I want you to tell this story. He was okay, but he was homeless, had no money, nothing but the clothes on his back. He had run straight from jail and and circumvented me. Instead of going, instead of meeting me and going to the treatment program he'd agreed to, he was already craving meth and he met up with somebody who got street meth and ended up being homeless for three and a half weeks. So I was worried sick during that time. And he was 26 years old and I did not want him to turn into one of those homeless people that you see that just gets strung out on drugs forever and also has mental health challenges and they end up staying homeless. So he had called me from a homeless day shelter, Nancy, and uh, I identified, I called the number right back and they said the name. And so I just dropped everything, hopped in my car and drove from where I live in Colorado Springs to Denver and got there just before 5 p.m., but they they said he wasn't there. So then I toured, which is painstaking. I don't know if any of your listeners have ever done this. I looked through three ginormous homeless shelters and I, I support the homeless. We, we support uh, the Springs Rescue Mission here. In I need to do it, by the way. Yeah, I, th- I encourage everyone to because our, the homeless are our people. They're our friends. They're our family. We've forgotten about them. We have forgotten about our people. I just want to say that really quickly. I bet you realize that when you walk through, you thought these are the forgotten ones. Absolutely. I mean, I was 
trying not to cry because I was trying to bring hope and stand in the positive and bring the light. And so I would smile at every person I saw, but I would look at these empty lost faces and, and they were not my son. So I finally gave up at dark, came back to my city, drove down back down to Denver the next day. My husband was in a separate car and I just knew, I just had this like psychic capacity to intuitively know I was gonna find my son. And Denver's huge as everybody knows. But at any rate, I was just driving down this one street, Broadway, and I knew he's close. And so I'm, you could, I, I, you I just, I could feel it energetically. Yeah. And so I, and then I saw him on the side of the road and he was limping because he'd been injured and he was dressed really differently because he was in an altered state from all the street drugs he'd been using. And, but anyway, I just double parked my car and turned the flashers on and went in on my car and said, hi, honey, I'm here. Do you want to shower or do you want a meal? And he just looked at me, but kind of looked through me. And then Nancy, what he did is he ran the other way. I know. I read that and I couldn't believe it. You must have been just devastated. I was. He ran downhill and I couldn't, I have knee issues from being, from overrunning and I couldn't run fast enough after him. And he just turned a corner and was gone. We kept looking for him that day, but there was a parade. I think he disappeared into the parade. But the, the blessing of this story is I know that he knew that day that I loved him. Because I had a friend who, who had kind of tapped into his space and knew he was feeling shame, lost, alone, like nobody cared, just like any of us would do if we're homeless and strung out on drugs and have no money, have no future, all of our belongings are gone. And um, so I knew he needed to know my love. And I kept sending him love every day. And finally, about, mm, I'm forgetting, I think it was about two and a half weeks later, he called me and he said, I want to go to treatment. Yeah. So that's the happy ending to that story. <laughs> well, the happy, the cool thing is that you sent him love and people, you know, we talk about the Hopa Onopono and you know about the Hopa Onopono where, you, yes, where you say, I love you. Please forgive me. I forgive myself. I'm sorry. Thank you. And the reason we do this is that it helps the other person. And just me saying that right now, I got chills. Same. Because, isn't that weird? It, it works. It works. It's the, it's the power of our spoken word. It's the power of the intention and you doing that helped him. Yes. And, and he told me later, he knew my love then, and it helped him to make that choice to come off the street. So, and wow. he's doing really, really well right now. Yeah, Let's talk about that. Uh, now, is this your oldest son or your youngest? My oldest. Yes. Okay. Can I ask, what is he doing now? Sure. Well, he's decided decided himself to live in kind of a, a sanctuary type home uh, in in the Denver area. And there are these around the country and around the world based on the old sanctuary idea that our homeless, those of those those we love who have mental health challenges are not to be sent away. There's not they're still whole. They're not misfits. And so he's living in a home where it's really very supportive and loving. He says it's the most loving place he's ever been. And they're all about healing. They're all about healing at everybody's own pace. So he's doing some community service. He's doing some other things. He's going to some Dharma meetings and nice, you know, just, just kind of finding his own way in his own time. Now, I want to ask you about this because I feel that a lot of the things that are going on in our world right now are because years ago, they closed down all the mental health facilities. 
And I want to touch on this because I I don't know, but I feel that when that happened, there was no place for these people to go and nothing's ever been done by our society. Like we don't care. We don't take care of our own, meaning that these people, we just put them out on the street. Now you say there are places. Is this something that's just evolving? Talk about this. Yes. And more and more people can decide to buy a property that maybe has four rooms or something reasonable so that maybe, maybe eight people can live there and they work together. Like at the home where my son lives, they have breakfast together and dinners together yes. every day. So that's, it's a community approach. It's a, it's a, I'm a part of a system approach. It's not a, let's just fix you. And so I'm still working on myself, our whole family. We're all trying to view things differently. And these kinds of places are helping break the stigma about mental health mm. and substance use so that people can get medications if they need them as they're in recovery, medication supported recovery, you know, that's really an important thing for many people. Mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, so they're all over the place. And pe people who are listeners, if you have an inkling, you can start one and just hire some people who, who know what they're doing <laughs> to run them and manage them, right? Right. No, who, are in, who have been on the path themselves, who know how to kind of be a peer coach to some of the new people coming in. Right. Now, how are you doing? That's a great question. I love you for asking me that. <laughs> I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well because I'm so committed to protecting my happiness. Oh. that I can still cry my heart out if I need to for a few hours. If I'm really worried or panicked, I experience that in my body and in my whole being. But then I can rebalance and reset, Nancy. I don't know if you do that too. Do you have a resetting, rebalancing practice? I just, do, I just connect with God every day and it seems to really keep me balanced. I mean, that's what I do. And I work out. I will say this. I work out. I, I really, you know, believe in it. My daughter, she's gotten into working out and she says, don't go two days without working out. And that has stuck in my head. And Fantastic. so you can tell because you look vibrant. Thank you. Well, I work out. I got, thank you. So do you, you, you work out. because you. when I work out, I feel better because you can get in this mode where you just sit in the chair and watch TV and eat and you start to gain weight and you're like, what, who is that person in the mirror? But it's, it's so hard to get on the bike. Cause I have a, I've got a Peloton. I spent a hundred dollars a month. All right. And I got <laughs> thing I ever did, by the way, I'm so poor, strong. You know, you don't even realize I am core strong by getting on my elliptical. They're right here. So I switch off. But bottom line is, and I go outside. That's the other thing. You have to go outside. People get stuck, especially with this COVID thing. I think people really got stuck in the house. What do you think? Absolutely. Nature. We need nature connecting with nature. If you don't know the bountiful power of nature, give it a try for a week, you know, just go smell the flowers and touch tree leaves. And yes, absolutely. Our rituals save us, Nancy, at least they save me. So because I don't, people will talk all the time about like reinvent yourself, but how we have to have motivation. And so I find my motivation from what I call the triad of connection. So I go inside to my essence, 
I connect to God and the universe. And then I connect to others, authentic others like you and our listeners, other real people. And so sometimes my, my triangle might like, like this, where it's me and God on the bottom that's holding me up. And sometimes it might be the opposite way. It's you and my, you know, my friendship with you or my other friends holding me up. But really when, once we get this, we lay it down and all three things support us. I like that. I really like that. Another thing you talk about, we're getting ready to go to break, but you talk about conscious breathing and that is something that helps me. And I've been working on that. Um, Also reprogramming, you talk about reprogramming the mind and that's something that I'm working on. And I tell the audience, you know, to work on. Um, But you say like when all these different things happen to you, it helped that you could just breathe. Yes. And I think anyone can take three deep breaths, but that doesn't really do the trick. (laughs) It's the three, it's the consciousness piece that helps us being aware of what we're experiencing in our bodies, in our emotions, in our thoughts, in our intuition, in that energetic space around us, and then tapping into the deepest soulful part of us, our essence, then we can know, well, am I having trouble with fate right now? Or am I doubting God in the universe? So we tap into all those things and people think it takes too long, but it can just happen simultaneously while we're breathing in consciously with awake alertness, just seeing what, what, which of those zones that I just mentioned jumps out at us. And then we exhale. And so I do that all the time. I reset all the time by breathing consciously. And that helps me to stay motivated. I think it helps me to protect my happiness. I love it. All right. We've got one more segment, you guys. Conscious bravery, caring for someone with addiction. You guys got to pick up this book. This is Nancy Urell. This is High Road to Humanity, and we will be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30 minutes coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better? To create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me. And I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better. Because we all hold the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use, and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up, The Universe is Speaking to You. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book. And may the energy of the universe bless you. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. 
Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yearout, and I'm joining with Compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Earl. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm back here with Pamela Brinker. We're talking about conscious bravery. You are brave. Do you feel more brave? I do. Yes. I feel with, with really giving grace to, to God and and thanking all the other people who've supported me on this journey. I feel like uh, I'm responsible for the hard work I've done and I can thank myself for that. And then I can thank, you know, God. Have your sons come and thank you? Have your sons come and said, Hey, thank you, mom. Oh yes, absolutely. We, we've been close this whole time, I think, because of this diligent practice that I've had. I don't, I don't let them get too far away and they're loving beings and they're just beautiful and they, they love me. So we're close. (laughs) How is your youngest son doing? What is he up to? He's doing really well. He's just coming out of a long-term program and kind of finding his way too, but he's doing well, really well. He wants to become a peer recovery coach and kind of help people as they're finding their way on their journeys. So that's really cool. Yes. I, I like that. Now, in these programs, not that I'm no judgment here, by the way, I just became a minister. So I'm like into the whole God thing. But do they talk about higher source? Do they talk about God? Do they talk about connecting in those programs? Do they do that? Absolutely. I, I don't think any program doesn't. The programs they've been involved in are more mindfulness based, or that's what it's called. I would call it whole being awareness based because it's not just that they're focusing on their minds, (laughs) but they're focusing on how to be consciously aware. But they've also done a lot of 12 step, which is wonderful, too, for people. And all of those kinds of things help us to know that we have to resource from something outside of ourselves just as much as we go inside to resource from within. So, yeah, they've really learned that. They've learned it. That's interesting. You write in your book, uh, Socrates says, know thyself. And I found that wonderful that you put that in there because we've not been taught to know ourselves. And you see, when it comes down to it and someone asks who you are, do you know the answer? 
It's such an important question because in our culture, I don't know if you feel this way, Nancy, but I feel that a lot of the clients that I've worked with over the, all these years have come to me saying, I don't really know who I am. And if I did know who I was, I would say it's, it's my talents, my skills, my job, my role as a mom or an entrepreneur or whatever, but that's not truly who we are. And so I had discovered that I had to discover that for myself when my husband was slowly passing. And then when my, my sons had all these huge mental health challenges and substance use issues, I had to realize I'm my essence. I'm this really beautiful, deep, soulful part of me. And our essence is who we've been since birth throughout our lives and into death and beyond. That's who we are. We are we are our essence. And it's beautiful because it's unchanging and it's always available. So a friend might be there available for us to call at 10 p.m. or not, but we've always got our essence. And that is my biggest resource. Yeah, learn to love yourself. That's something that's taken time. You know, I've always been like, give, give, give to everybody else. But, and I think a lot of us, and we forget about ourselves and because, and you use the analogy. I think it's fabulous that you use the analogy when you're on the airplane. And, you know, of course we put on, we put our mask on first so that we can take care of the child, you know, and that's what we have. That's exactly what you did. You went within, otherwise you wouldn't have been able to do this. Thank you. And you did the same thing when you chose camp for your daughter against her wishes but yeah even when the plane is feels like it's going down we have to do that that thing that doesn't feel intuitive and and take care of ourselves and do our own self-care and I call it radical self-care because (laughs) for me the kinds of practices that I do are just crucial and I go through every single day doing something like you were saying you wake up and you journal your gratitude I stand at the kitchen window and and I do earth and sky, or I, I do like the left, right exercise to kind of get both <laughs> my brain or cross crawl going while I'm doing my gratitude prayers, because gosh, every day, I'm just so grateful that I can take a breath. Right. right. And so that gratitude, then I think helps motivate me to do my own self-care so that I can stand strong and tall when the tsunamis come. And when my sons need me, I'm already a role model for them that you can do this because I've done it. I'm doing it. Right. You've become stronger. Now, when you go out into the world, people, people can see your light. Yes. And don't you find that so important? Yes. Because this is, these are such trying times. You know, you and I were talking about this before the show began, but you know, 107,000 people died from substance use alone in 2021. And that's not even including suicides. And so all of us know someone who's struggling with substance use issues, alcohol, um, mental health challenges. And so it's just a crazy world. We have got to really stand in the light, even though one foot is also in the shadow. Yeah. Well, and I, I'll talk a little bit about substance abuse. I am, I could never really drink, but I, I started to become a wine drinker. Gosh, probably when I was in my forties, I would have that glass of wine, you know, when I came home. Mm-hmm. Well, and I did that for many years. And then I started doing my spiritual work more and more and more. And the interesting thing was I got to a point where I couldn't drink. I couldn't have the glass of wine anymore. My body rejected it. And I'm telling you guys this for a reason, because I wanted that darn glass of wine mentally, but my body said, oh, huh, 
And I literally did, I'm like, well, I can have it. And I, I was married at the time. I'd say, I'll just pour me a half a glass. Uh-uh. My body literally rejected it. And that's what happens when you change. You don't just change your mind. Everything changes. When you connect with the divine and you start doing this work and you go within. And I was connecting every day and interviewing people like yourself. And my body was like, oh, no. You find anything. Yeah. That's brilliant, Nancy. And you listen to your body the same way you would listen to a best friend's comments. And I love that you're sharing that with all your listeners, because I hope that everyone on this show that's listening will remember our bodies have their own wisdom. Oh, yeah. Essence has its own wisdom. Our intuition, you know, we may not take what are in the advice of our intuition, but we want to at least listen to it. (laughs) We definitely know. Now, how's the family bit? Are they, do they look at you now and say, wow, because you are radiant. You are just glowing here today on the show. Look at you and say, wow, you've become a totally different person. You've taken these tragedies that other people might've taken and you've turned them around. Does my family do that? Yeah. You're so cute. I don't think so. I think they've watched. <laughs> I think they've watched me evolve slowly over time. They think I look younger than I am. I'm 61. They think I'm healthy. So they tell me things like that. But I think they, that we're all just kind of in it together. You know, we're a family just doing everything we can to, to be healthy and better ourselves. So but thank you for saying that. No, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's funny. Um, mine haven't either. <laughs> Oh, wow. I think, um, but a lot of people, when I go out into the world, just like yourself, they see you're a light. Yes. And I'm, I'm approaching that age too. I'm 59. I'll be 60 next year. And yeah, I look younger than I think I ever have. And I want to tell why, well, you can tell why tell everybody why. Because you're connected to God and you're connected to yourself, your, your soulful essence. Isn't it something? you are tapped into what really is what life is all about. Right. It took this long, (laughs) (laughs) but I answered your question for you. So how would you answer that? That's great. Like, well, it's exactly the same. Yeah. You know, because I, the more you connect with the divine, the younger you get, that's the key. People don't get it. They don't realize I work out just like you, you know, I see fit. I feel, I feel the best I've ever felt. Yes. I am same. Yeah. When I was 50 and my husband was dying, I think I just, well, I lost weight cause I couldn't keep weight on and I was already thin. So people thought I was anorexic, but I, then I started just trying to eat everything I could. I still couldn't eat. I still couldn't keep weight on, but at any rate, I feel healthier and more vibrant now than ever. And I attribute it to this whole everything, you know? And so if, if there's anything I could say to our listeners, if they're looking at you, you're beautiful, you're fit, they might look at me and think perhaps something similar. But if you're not where you want to be, just take a step, you know, because when I was super, super skinny, I felt so overwhelmed that there were times where I thought I can't do this. But then I remember what Cheryl Strayed said, which is that parents don't have the luxury of despair. And I started taking just little steps. Right. I want to say this quote before um, we get out of here today. In your book, you say Carl Sagan famously said, we're made of star stuff. Your essence is also then your golden nature, your shining brightness and your warmth. I just think that's cool because I think we are made of star stuff. Absolutely. We are. We're radiant. 
we are so much more than we realize until we really start tapping in and then we really start to realize it. Yeah. Tell everybody one more time how to get in touch with you. Oh, thank you. The best way is through my website, which is www.bebrave.us or in late August, it'll be pamelabrinker.com. But you can also find me on social media on Instagram. It's Be Brave with Pamela Brinker. I'm on YouTube, Be Brave by Pamela Brinker. And I'm on LinkedIn. I have a big platform on LinkedIn and on Facebook too. We thank you for being brave and writing this book. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And bravery is a gift. And each one of us have the seeds of bravery and we can all cultivate them. All right, you guys, we got to get out of here for today. But if you want an angel reading, if you want a psychic reading, go to my website, nancyyearout.com, and you can book your date and time. Pamela, we're going to get out of here for today. But everyone take care. This is High Road to Humanity, and God bless. Please join me next week on the High Road for more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. You can find High Road to Humanity on Apple TV and on Roku under Healing Within TV. Have a blessed week and know by staying on the High Road, you will make it to your destination. For a psychic empath reading, go to my website, nancyyearout.com, to book your date and time with me. I will deliver your message from the angels. God bless.